0: Looking behind me at the silent and long valley of snow below me, a landscape of pure and smooth white punctuated by a simple set of snowshoe tracks, mine, and looking ahead to a similar silence of the trees of the forest covered in a newly fallen blanket of snow being kissed by the softest of breezes, I stop and I listen In the dead silence, there's nothing to hear, yet there is so much to hear, so much that's being said. Standing on this snow-covered mountain, looking, listening, sensing, I'm taken back to yet another place in time where the grand vistas of open country and faraway buttes were consuming me in silence and yet talking at the same time. What do I hear? It's as if the heavens and the earth, in their very silence, are singing in a glorious harmony, one which cannot be perceived by the senses, but only by the soul. What do I hear? I hear love.
1: Welcome to the Roaming the Earth podcast. I am your host, Drea Castro, and today I am here with Mike Crowley. At the age of 11, Mike went on his first backpacking trip, and the outdoor bug has been with him ever since. Taking time each month, he would explore the mountains and deserts of Southern California and take week-long treks in the Sierra Nevadas. As it happens to most of us, life later got in the way and took over. But Mike always remembered the call of the wild. Fast forward 30 years and Mike started making his way outdoors again, from exploring the Mojave Desert to camping in Death Valley in August, (laughs) bikepacking across the Hawaiian islands of Molokai, finding once again his old stomping grounds in the Sierras, and now through hiking across America last year and doing it once again this year. It seems Mike is now making up for lost time. After his second walk across America is over, he is conjuring up plans for other adventures. Some ideas are hiking the lowest to highest trail, Badwater in Death Valley to Mount Whitney in the Sierras, kayaking and hiking the circumference of Kauai, exploring the forests and lonely places of the American Southwest, and much more. Thank you so much for being here, Mike. I'm really, really uh, excited to talk to you and hear about your journey.
0: Well, the pleasure's all mine. I've heard so much about you. I'm, thank you for having me.
1: Thank you so much. Okay. So the reason why Mike is on this show is because I had a guest, Alec, uh, from a few episodes back that talked about you. He met you at the bottom of the grand canyon and spoke so highly about you and <laughs> <laughs> i i always ask each guest have you ever met somebody that's meaningful or what's who's your most meaningful person that you've ever met and he said mm-hmm. it was you so yeah. i'm just excited to to talk to you and that that you're here and that you took time out of your crazy cross country trek <laughs> to
0: talk huh. to me I'm I'm doing a uh, day off uh, tomorrow, so that's got to have my days off every now and then.
1: (laughs) So talk to me about that excerpt that you read in the beginning.
0: Um, You know, whenever whenever I've been outdoors, whether it's been out in the desert, the Mojave Desert, out in Death Valley, up on the mountains in the Sierras, or uh, that excerpt happened to be from when I was going up Buemanucci Pass on the Continental Divide. Um. I always have this sense of the bigness of everything,
1: but at the same
0: time, yeah, at the same time, everything is small as well. And in that bigness and smallness, and in that quiet that's out there, there's actually something that you can hear. And being up in the mountains there in the Rockies last year when I was going up there over the snow brought all that back to mind. And that's what put these words on paper and kind of brought it back to mind again. Um, I remember one story. I was out in the Mojave Desert one year, and it was a moonless night. The stars were out, and the stars were so bright that you could literally read a book by the starlight. But in that <sighs> same, in that same uh, moment, in the silence, it was like you were hearing The stars or the angels themselves, I guess, uh, just singing away. Just this one song, of course, and that's always struck me. And that's always what I've felt when I've been in the outdoors.
1: I love that so much, and I absolutely can relate with you. I've definitely sat in the middle of nowhere, and it's so vast, especially in the desert. The Mojave Desert is like so incredibly vast. Any desert, really, but. It also brings you right back to the core of you, <laughs> the core yeah. of like, you know what I mean? Like the important things and and puts different different things in perspective. It really does. I was just talking about that today. I really need to go away because I need to put things in perspective and it okay. really, really helps.
0: <laughs> so well, and also it's, you know, it's a juxtaposition it's juxtaposition on life because in this life, we are bombarded by just so much, right? Yes. We got the TV, we got the radio, we got the internet, we got this, we got that. And there are even some people, in fact, a lot of people who think they just can't get by in the silence. And in fact, I have a friend who's like, there a couple of friends who are like that, that if it's silent, they go crazy. But it's our very psyche itself that I think is looking for the saturation of that silence because as i've mentioned in that silence you really do hear you really do feel you really do experience something and for some people a lot of people that's something they're going to say is god other people might say it's the energy of the universe you know somebody else might say it's it's being but you do experience that and you can't experience it when it's all coming at you it's true. And
1: I feel like you can really only experience that to me in the desert because there's that's the one place where you can't, you don't, there, it's the only experience that I've had where I don't hear not even the wind sometimes. And you just oh, hear uh-huh. your breath and it is so incredible. And you are alone with your thoughts. To, that, to me, that's the most relaxing thing. And yes, some people, most people don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, that's like when I can hear myself again.
0: Yeah, I remember uh, traveling. um, Last year, when I was on the walk, I was going through southern Utah. And it was just this lone, lonely two lane road. And, you know, a car might come by every half hour or so. And then at the end of the day, you you know, being 90% public land, you just point and go, I'm going to camp there. But it's just the silence of it all and the bigness of it all. It just talks to you.
1: It's incredible. It's incredible. So, with that said, I want to hear about this walk that you're doing. You went from west to east last year?
0: Yeah. So, last year I started in Southern California. Um, I built my own route from Laguna Beach and um, went up and over the mountains and then across th- the desert and then um, Route 66 across a couple of ranches in northern Arizona, then down into Grand Canyon, and then turn the corner up the Little Colorado River Canyon, Little Colorado River Canyon, and then up the uh, Salt Trail into the Navajo Reservation. Follow that uh, across there and then over to the Ute Reservation, Ute Mountain Reservation, and then up and over the Rockies, and then uh, finally into Pueblo where I caught the American Discovery Trail and then picked that up the rest of the way east to Delaware. And then, (laughs) yeah, you know, Um, I have a story. Actually, I remember the second day out and I was going up over uh, Saddleback Mountain. Mm -hmm. And I remember all of a sudden having this big wave of, oh, no, what have I gotten myself into? This is a far (laughs) distance. And then immediately I had to stop and say, no, you can't think about how far it is. You can't think about the time ahead. You can't think of what you did behind, and you can't think of the time ahead, the time behind. You've got to be right here, right now, in this step, in this place, because if you let time get on you, it's going to drive you crazy. And so that was my lesson, and that's been my lesson last walk and this walk, where I just, I turn time off, and I'm right here, right now. I make my miles, and then there I am at the end of the day.
1: A lot of through hikers actually have told me that you really have to, like that's one of the pieces of advice that many of them that I've spoken to tell me, which is that you have to just take it day by day to the next mile, to the next place. Cause if you look at it from like the bigger picture, it could drive you nuts.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're doing say like the PCT, you know, 2,650 miles, And so people calculate, well, I got to do 15 miles a day or 12 miles a day in order to get there by October 1st. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then. And then, then when they're actually doing it, like you said, if they start watching and counting those miles, they're just going to drive themselves into the ground. They just got to do it.
1: Yep. They just got to go from one foot in front of the other, I think.
0: That's right. And that's, where, and that's where it becomes a meditative experience or a contemplative experience where you can turn off time. You can turn off all of the inputs in life. And even though you're not thinking, your mind is thinking. And it's thinking of whatever philosophy. It's thinking of what's going to happen at the end or whatever. But it's thinking and um it's it's a very healthy way of thinking
1: yeah and i think you could take that into your daily life too because yeah sometimes we have a tendency to think of everything like we're not there yet we haven't accomplished this we haven't done this and it's like well, you will get there if you just take it with your baby yeah. steps
0: <laughs> that's right yeah you know we we impose these deadlines on us and true i mean deadlines are a hard thing we got to make them sometimes but at the same time we have to i think remove ourselves from the time aspect of the deadline and just just like in through hiking know that the deadline is the quote unquote end of the day and just get into that mantra and you know do whatever it is you're doing
1: amazing so tell me about you did this last year already. You went from west to east, and now you're doing it again. Why yeah. <laughs> are you? Why did you decide to do it the first time, and then now why did you decide to do it again?
0: <laughs> uh, well, you know, the first time, uh, the first time actually was uh, it was ten years coming. Um, I was taking care of my mom in her last year, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, this thought just came into my head: "You're going to walk across the country, man." <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it was like, huh, what was that? and it went away and then maybe a few months later it came back and then it went away and then it came back and it went away. And so then it was doing this over and over, over the years. And I finally realized that, um, Hmm. I think that God must be telling me something. So in 2016, I started laying out, um, the route and, I got all that planning pretty much done. And then about nine months before I left, I said, okay, God, if this is from you, you better tell me what it's all about, right? (laughs) And literally, literally two days later, he told me. And you know what he told me? He told me that when I see anyone, and that includes you, Drea, when I see anyone to let them know that he's shining his light on your path, he loves you very much and he's warning all of us that time's running short. So that's what the that's what the walk was about last year. And then when I was in southern ohio starting to contemplate what's what's going to be next, you know, well I guess you better get back to work. This guy contacted me, RB on my youtube channel. And he said, "So, what are you going to do next?" <laughs> so I wrote, "Yeah." So I wrote him back and said, "Well, you know, I guess go back to work." He said, "No, no, 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 no. Why don't you walk from upper peninsula michigan down to key west well when i first read that it was like nah no <laughs> but by the time i got to, by the time I got to the atlantic ocean there it was in my head so here i am now in the middle of georgia on the way down to florida oh my
1: gosh <laughs> how long did it take you to go from from across the country west to east what was uh, the so i
0: I started that the first week of March, and I ended on uh, New Year's Eve.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow.
0: Wow. Yeah, so it was just shy of four. It was about 3,900 miles. Wow. And then this, this trip, I think, will be about 21, 2,200 miles. Wow. And I started this one August 1st, and I'll probably finish it middle to latter part of February.
1: Holy moly. That is amazing.
0: But again, remember that when you are in no time, it's no time. Right. Right. You don't have yeah. a
1: deadline. It's not like the PCT. There's a deadline, you know, like, cause it's dangerous. <laughs> otherwise.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess, unless I get to, you know, you don't want to get to Florida when it's hot, but still, yeah.
1: Right. All right. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So, what has what What have you learned? What is the most valuable thing that you learned on your hike?
0: Um,
1: I'm sure you've learned a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess there's a few things that have floated through my mind. Um, I've always been kind of an individualistic type of person, um, but this has made me, I think, even more con. Uh, more confident in that individualism, but at the same time, it's made me, I think, even more compassionate um, and and empathic towards others. Um, it's made me slow down a little bit, you know, because sometimes I would, you know, get in that time rush and go, "Oh, I got to do this, got to do that, got to do this," and so this is this lack of time now is translated into regular life. Um so I guess those would be the two things. And well I guess the third thing would be um even becoming more self-confident. I mean I was pretty self-confident going into this but uh even I'm even more self-confident now just you know having to walk 9 months at a time and make changes on the fly sometimes and meeting different people and going through different experiences terrain geography um, so I guess those will be the three things.
1: And you've been hiking alone, correct?
0: Yeah, yeah, I was hiking. I've been hiking alone now. Um, last year I did meet a girl who was also hiking west-east. Wow. Um, but another uh,
1: one of you, Mike. Another one of you. <laughs>
0: well, there's a lot of us actually, you know. But anyway, <laughs> she now her story is she's never done anything like this, and she was doing it because um to raise awareness for, um, domestic violence. Anyway, she started in San Francisco and immediately had problems. And then she skipped ahead to Reno and got a day out. And then she realized, Whoa, what's going on? I have no idea what I'm doing. And then she then skipped ahead to Denver where her brother was. And then, um, from Denver, she started, um, hiking and then hitchhiking. And then we kind of, then we hitched up, um, we met each other in Pleasant Hill, Missouri. And then I went ahead and in Boonville, Missouri, on, on the Missouri River, she said, Hey, I was wondering if we could maybe hike for a couple of days. So we ended up hiking off and on for a couple of weeks. And wow. she heard me and then she found somebody to um, uh, help, help shuttle her, shuttle her to the end. So the short answer to your question is, yeah, I've been doing it alone, but I had a couple of weeks of company last year.
1: That's nice, and I, that's probably a learning lesson too.
0: Well, and it came at the right time too, because it was along the Missouri River, and people always ask me, "What was your hardest or most difficult part of the um, of the walk?" And they'll say, "You know, was it the Grand Canyon? Was it the Salt Trail? Was it the Rockies and the snow?" <laughs> and I tell them, "No, it was the flat." katie trail along the missouri river because of the heat the humidity and the mosquitoes oh and so, the mosquitoes yeah and so um both of us were there at the right time and uh to i think kind of boost each other along that section
1: yeah that's interesting hmm. that you say that i was going to ask you that question like what was the hardest part of that trail um yeah across the country yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, me- mentally speaking, it was that part. I mean, physically speaking, it was probably the Grand Canyon and the Salt Trail and the Rockies. Um, but mentally, it was the Missouri River.
1: Yeah. From a through hiker's perspective, what does travel mean to you?
0: What does travel mean to me? Um, I think it comes back again to the being able to uh, turn everything off. And being able to contemplate, meditate, observe, and experience. And also to, I guess the biggest thing really, though, interpersonally speaking, is the is connecting with and establishing relationship with people along the way. Because it doesn't matter if you're a through hiker when you're traveling, it doesn't matter if you're jet-setting and going to going to Rome or Geneva, or to Marrakesh, or wherever, um, it's the connection, I think, with the people that really makes it that even more special. Because you can have these special experiences of the stars in the sky talking to you, and the big expanses of nothing but everything, but it's the connection with the people that really, I think, cements a place into your psyche, and it also cements the experience into your psyche that you can remember not only I was on the Santa Fe Trail right there, but I was on the Santa Fe Trail with um, this person who told me about the history, whose farmstead has been there for over 100 years, who this and that and this and that and this and that. So I guess the the real deep meaning to travel is, is the connection with the people.
1: I love that. What inspired you to do this type of travel? Why? Why this? Like, what was it about your life that you decided to go? That's it. I'm out of here. I'm doing this, and I'm gonna walk it. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know, um, it's like I said uh, before. It's nothing that I ever expected to do. It just, it just popped in my head, and it, it was a God thing. Uh, I'm in real estate, and I would be at, at my office. Um, at times looking out the window sometimes just I would be picturing this kind of a a palapa or this little grass hut on a beach in the South Pacific and I always think oh that would be nice oh Yeah. yeah and think of travel in that regard but this thing you know when it hit me it was an out of the blue thing and so uh all I can do is I can all I can do is just attribute it to one of those nothing happens by chance type of things, you know, that God kind of throws in your way and makes you do, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And, (laughs) you know, that's, so that's how that happened.
1: So if there's somebody out there that's listening and they are on the verge of wanting to do a hike like this, how does, how does one prepare to do this massive feat
0: uh, so many answers. Um, <laughs> yeah. if you strict, if you strip out the spiritual aspect of it, um, and just look at the physical aspect of it, um, I guess you would have to look at, um,
1: like your best tips, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, there are... <sighs> yeah, boy, <laughs> I know there's so much, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, just the first 1,100 miles of my trip last year took me almost two and a half years to plan just to find the route and everything and then find out where I could resupply or where I had to send stuff ahead. I guess what my tips would be is to um, just start with a broad canvas like painter does and then start thinking about, well, if I do this or if I want to go here, what's along the route and then um, search for um, search for help online, because there are, there's actually, there's a group called USA crossers on Facebook of people who have actually crossed the country, whether it's walking or running. Um, Other tips I guess would be, would be is to uh, really test the idea because sometimes you might get this pie-in-the-sky idea of, oh, it'd be great, but then you don't realize the aspects of it that you're getting up, putting on your pack, you're packing up your stuff, putting on your pack, walking for 14, 15, 17, 20 miles, whatever it is you're capable of, bedding down, and then starting the whole thing, you know, over again, Um and so I think the biggest thing to prepare would be is test your metal, to make sure you really have the mindset, really have the physicality of being able to do it. Um, but mindset really is is the thing that's going to keep you Help. going. Yeah.
1: So how does one prepare for it financially? Let's say they again they want to do this. How do they do it? Do they? How much money do you think you should save? Or should you get a job on the road? Do you are you like a nomadic like worker, or do you are are is it a good idea to like save a specific amount?
0: Yeah, uh, there have been people <laughs> who have uh, started, gone across, and maybe halfway through, um, gotten a job because they're um, waiting oh. for the winter to pass so they can get over the mountains. Interesting, or because they ran out of money and they just need to stock up on the money. Um, when people have asked me how much it costs, I tell them it's gonna cost as it's gonna cost as much as it's gonna cost however much you're gonna have zero days in a hotel or a motel. Mm. If you're not gonna have zero or zero days in hotels or motels, you can get by on just whatever the food is. And so I tell people, you know, figure five or six hundred bucks a month on that. But realistically speaking, if you're going to have a zero day in a motel every week or every week and a half, um, you know, 1500 bucks a month maybe is, it can get you through. 2000 would probably be a little bit better to do. And uh, so, you know, save up 2000 bucks a month for the time that you're not going to have any income. Or if you have it in your head that you're going to stop somewhere in the middle and make up some money, then do it that way as well.
1: That's you interesting. Know, I never thought about that. Like people go halfway and then they get a job there to continue on.
0: Yeah. In fact, uh, there was a guy um, this past year, uh, last year, who started. And I think he got a job in Denver mm. uh, to wait out the winter and then, then went on. Um, the other thing I was thinking, too, you probably don't remember this. But it was a TV show back in the early 60s called The Fugitive. And you know, they made a movie out of it. Yes, yes. Harrison Ford. Well, the TV show was based upon the premise that the guy, the doctor, um, Richard Kimball, saw his wife get murdered and they arrested him. But he said, no, it was a one-armed man. And so the premise of the TV show was that each week he was going through these little towns across the country trying to find this one-armed guy. And invariably he had this little oddball job that he was doing. And I've always thought that maybe that might be the best way to travel is just go somewhere in some small town, small town USA, get a job for a month or so, make a few hundred bucks and then go to the next place and do it again. And wouldn't that be the nice way to not only see the US or the world, but also to experience the U S or the world.
1: Yes, you know? I've actually, I've seen it happen in different countries. You know, I've gone to like Costa Rica and then I've met somebody who's like, oh, I'm just here for a little while at this hostel and I'm working for now so I can move on. And that's yeah. kind of cool. Cause you really immerse yourself in that world. Like, you know, yeah. the world, right? You know, you know. Yeah.
0: I have a friend who um, he worked in the Peace Corps in Africa. Uh, after he graduated from school and then he got his MBA and then he worked for um uh, it was a quasi government thing but he was stationed in Russia and from there he traveled to all these different countries uh, that nobody would usually go to Kazakhstan Syria Lebanon you know Europe all that and then he got another job and he traveled to to um China Southeast Asia but you know he was using his job as a means by which he could do all this travel and so whether you have a job where you're based somewhere or whether you're just doing it, go get a, I call it a knucklehead job for <laughs> a couple of weeks or a month and then move to the next place and the next place, that would kind of be the ideal way to do it.
1: I see that in your future, Mike. I have a feeling well, that you might. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I'd have to first I'd have to first get the van and live in the van, you know, down by the river.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh you started a youtube channel i started watching some of your videos
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah youtube.com/i like mike
1: yes um, i like mike
0: <laughs> yeah and you know that's another one of those things i never figured i was going to do anything like that and then you know before i start before i started the, the trip last year well you know maybe i'll document it and people might like it or so you know so i mean the videos are long and boring but you know i like them it seems other people like them cuz i get a lot of comments
1: guess it's not that boring. I guess people are living vicariously through these long videos.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, there are people who look, they, I mean, you know, people watch people travel, people watch do their thing. And so there's that subculture out there, but it's also nice, you know, just trying to, even when I'm going along, just trying to, you know, banter with the camera and, and kind of make it interesting and, you know, point out something interesting, whether again, it's the. Santa Fe Trail or the route that uh, Lewis and Clark went through or, Mm -hmm. you know, Civil War things around here. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of nice. Now it's, it's a pain to put them all together each week, but uh, I like doing it.
1: Yes. Can you tell me some of the challenges that you faced? I know you talked a little bit, but do you have any other challenges that you really face? You talked about Missouri, the mosquitoes, but were there any other significant ones that you you
0: know that you yeah the Missouri with. River, the Missouri River was a real big um mental challenge uh the physical challenges were um uh the Grand Canyon and the little Colorado River canyon um, going down to the Grand Canyon, uh, I still hadn't gotten my trail legs, and so wow. going down nine miles and four thousand feet at the end of the day, it's like whoo jelly. <laughs> And then, you know, the funny thing is, I was going across on the Beamer Trail, and it was only going to be a nine mile day. And so I thought, ah, a nine mile day, that'll be easy. But <laughs> it was nine miles of of going across, and then psh, you go down the side canyon and then you go up the side canyon and then you go across and then down and then up. And so it's like uh that day I did not make my mileage, and I literally had to camp on the trail with uh A 400 foot drop off right down there. And, uh,
1: Oh my God, the
0: wall up there. So, uh, so that was a good challenge. Then also a little Colorado river. I had to get across that. And, um, there's a trail down there on a little Colorado river. Yeah. No, actually that you're just following the river. And, um,
1: you just did that on your own. You followed the river and just went,
0: well, I I plotted out ahead of time, but uh, yeah, you follow the river and then, you know, I had to cross it and it wasn't, it wasn't the smartest thing, but uh yeah, <laughs> but there quicksand. I made it. There was quicksand, and then um, going up the Salt Salt Trail Canyon that was a hard thing too because there's no trail. It's just rock cairns, and that's uh, three thousand feet and three miles, and oh, you know you're God. scrambling over boulders and crawling under ledges, and and then as Alec had mentioned on on your pot on his episode, I got stuck like half a half mile from the from the end where. There's this 10 or 12 foot cliff, and I'm trying. Well, how do I get up there? <laughs> and oh then, luckily, gosh. they came along and then we got up there. So,
1: oh my so, gosh,
0: yeah. So, those would have been the, the biggest challenges uh, last year on that trip. Wow, um, yeah.
1: Have you ever gotten hurt?
0: Uh, no, I've never gotten hurt. I got stuck once. Um, I was going, <laughs> I was going across uh, this the bottom of this cliff. Trying to find the trail. Um, and I looked down and I thought, well, I got to be down there. So I started shimmy along this boulder that was covered by all this shrubbery. And oops, I got, I slipped and I actually was able to stop. But at that point in time, I was like, I'm stuck. How do I get out of here? <laughs> I mean, literally, I was stuck. And uh, so I finally, you know, after about an hour of kind of wriggling and taking the pack off and trying to grab stuff and I got out of there. But uh so I never got hurt. But that was the closest I think to danger. Maybe getting hurt. Yeah, getting hurt by being stuck and then starving to death and somebody <gasps> from your skeleton, you know, five years later or something.
1: Have you ever felt like you were in danger outside of that, that story. <laughs> outside of a <Yeah. laughs> outside of a cliff.
0: No, that's a funny, funny question because uh, when I was going through the Rockies last year, this is uh, this is the end of May, and there was still six, eight feet of snow on the ground. And um, I remember walking through that. I was using snowshoes for the first time, never used snowshoes. And I remember, <laughs> and there was no trail. I couldn't find the trail. I remember going through and thinking to myself, or I even said to myself, yeah, you know, I can see how people would consider this to be Kind of dangerous. Um, <laughs> so I guess that was probably pretty, dang- pretty dangerous. But, you know, just take it in stride and just, you know, you got to make the goal. And that that section I, I planned for only two days and it took me four days. So I guess that was another dangerous part of it. But, yeah, I made it through.
1: You camped out there.
0: I camped out there, yeah, and I got snowed on too.
1: Oof, <sighs> wow. You are a badass. <laughs>
0: I don't know how you do it. Yeah, you know, I mean, you just plug along, you know, you, you can't let the, you can't let what might be a serious. Well, I guess it was a serious situation. You can't let that get into your psyche because then you start making bad decisions, you know? Yeah. You just plug through it.
1: How do you face those challenges? What are your solutions in that kind of situation?
0: You just zone in and be in the zone. Yeah. Um, just go and make the step, make the next step, knowing what the goal is ahead, but also testing while you're going along to make sure you are not beyond your um, limits. So, uh, and if you do get to a point where you're beyond your limits, you know, you're always calculating backwards, you know. Well, if I have to turn around, then what's it going to be and what's my supply situation and all that. And at the same time, then you don't let your mind, you know, macho mind, oh, I can make it. Because when, when that happens, that's when you get in trouble. So you always, you always think of the escape route. Um, but you just get in the zone and just do it. Keep going. And don't let the fear override
1: that's a beautiful piece of advice. Do you have an interesting travel story?
0: I guess uh, one of the uh, more interesting of those stories was um, when I was on this back road, it was dirt road in Kansas, and it um, was actually about a mile north of where I, the trail where I was supposed to be because I was taking a shortcut, <laughs> and <it> was <laughs> at this intersection of two dirt roads and it was starting to get sundown. And I was thinking, well, you know, my last place where I could find a place to stealth camp was this woods about half a mile up. And as I'm looking at my map and all that, all of a sudden this lady turns on this dirt road and then stops. She rolled down her window and she goes, hey, are you hiking the American Discovery Trail? <sighs> and, and I stopped and kind of thought and said, well, how does she know that? Because it's, you know, a mile over that way. But I said, yeah, I am. She goes, well, um, you know, my, my house is just right over here, a couple hundred yards. If you want, you can stay on the, uh, on the uh, balcony or on the porch. And I said, well, great. I was just looking for a camping spot. And so as we got there, um, Aww. yeah, as we got there, then her husband came out and said, no, no, he can take the spare room. But why I think what I, why I say it's interesting is because, um, uh, Her house, that's the house that's been in the family for over 100 years. And their house is right next to um, the Santa Fe Trail. And when you go on the Santa Fe Trail, you can actually see the ruts from the wagons as they pass through. Wow. uh, Yeah. And that section of trail where they are is called Ralph's Ruts because her dad really built up the Santa Fe Trail um, Association in that area. And he named that section of, of the ruts and the trail Ralph's Ruts, and people would come and look at it, and they've got this big um, thing there so you can see it. But the other nice thing, too, about being there w- with them was to hear the history of the trail and to hear the history of this famous massacre, the Plum Creek Massacre, and to hear also the pride that this woman had about... Santa Fe Trail in her area and the history behind it. Um, So I think that's probably one of the most more memorable uh, experiences of of the walk, or both walks, so to speak. I mean, there's so many, but that's one that stands out.
1: That's so interesting because you're just walking on this trail and you have this plan, and then you end up meeting these really amazing people. kind.
0: Yeah. And that goes back to what I said earlier, you know, it's the the experience with the people, you know, sure. You have the experience with the walk itself and the terrain and geography and the history, but it's the people that really glues it all together.
1: Yeah. And it's, and the kindness of people, that's the thing that I've learned when I've traveled that people are for the most part, very kind.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've never park. had a bad experience. Yeah, never yeah. had a bad experience.
1: Yeah. yeah. Who is your most meaningful person you've ever met on your travels?
0: I'd say probably Alec. Um, last year, uh, when I was coming up the Salt Trail, out of the little Rod- little Colorado River um, River.
1: So, if for mm-hmm. for people that haven't heard of the other episode, I interviewed. Uh, a guy named Alec Sills trausch uh-huh. And he, he he you met him and that's why you're on this show today. So yeah. just a yeah. little he
0: his, Yeah he and his friend uh Will. Hey Alec oh. hey Will yeah he and his friend Will were coming down the trail. I was probably um I was probably a third of the way up the trail. No, I was about halfway up the trail and they were coming down. And they got stuck in a little place because they couldn't find the rock, Karen. So I was yelling down to them, no, I go to the right, and then blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, that was it. And then um, as I got up to um, that little cliff face that I could, couldn't figure out how to get up, they were coming back up. And um, the reason that Alec is um, extra special in my mind is because this didn't really come out, I don't think, as clearly. he. I think he was being he was being mod, modest, but he was doing that hike. It was a three thousand down, three thousand up, so six thousand feet of vertical um, in one day. There, in one day, and he had just finished maybe just a month before, maybe a month and a half before his last round of chemo, and the classic signs of chemo: bald, no hair, and all that everything gone. And he was doing that hike in one day. And even at the end of the day, he had the energy to fix this f- full on spread of hamburgers and macaroni and cheese and <laughs> Gatorade and salad and this and that. So uh, that's, that's I think the most special person that I've met in any of these hikes, whether it's these uh, cross country hikes or whether my mountain hikes or whatever.
1: He's pretty Amazing and yeah, very very modest, but an oh, incredible yeah. powerful person, both physically and mentally.
0: Oh yeah, and, and I follow his uh, his blogs and I look at these trips. He's zooming up these mountains. <laughs> and like man, I can't do this. And he and I, on his episode, I can't catch talked, up to him.
1: I can't. I don't,
0: and on his episode, he was talking about, oh, I've slowed down.
1: <laughs> yeah right, <laughs> slowed down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he has no idea what slowing down is like. Honestly, yeah. like his slowing down is my fastest day probably. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. But you know, something something else I want to mention too about Alec why he's so special is that not only did he go through the chemo, but he had this really rare form of um of uh, cancer. There was a tumor growing inside him and it was wrapping around his heart and basically was squeezing him to death. Oh my and God. so that's what's also so amazing about him is that he had the mental fortitude to go through that and the mental fortitude to, as soon as he's done, he's doing his stuff again. So Alec, hats off to you.
1: I was so glad to have met him too. When I read his story, I, I needed him to be on the show because I wanted to talk to him. Yeah, uh, And then I found out even more stuff about him that fascinated me. Uh, and oh. I realized even more so how incredible he was because already if I, when I was looking at his uh, social media's blog, I could see that he was a pretty special person, but when you get to talking to him and then you realize how much of a good human he is, it yes. was, it was special. So mm. it, wonderful uh, pick for a meaningful person. What is your favorite or most fulfilling moment during your through hike? across the country?
0: Two things. Processing through my mind, the step-by-step-by-step-by-step-by-step, by step by step by step by step, day in, day out, day in, day out, and turning off time and really learning to love that. And then secondly, like I've mentioned before, is the the real good fulfillment is to connect with the people and really have that connection, not just, oh, that was, that was Drea that I met uh, oh, three weeks ago. And yeah, okay, I'll never see her again. Oh, well. Um, it's... I relive the memories and I relive what they were like and their personality and what we talked about and all that. And also, you know, what was going on in their lives and uh, maybe try and help them in prayer or whatever. But uh, that's my uh, biggest accomplishment, I think, um, on that walk and on this walk as well.
1: I love that. Any favorite location, your favorite location that you've been to?
0: I mean, you can look at the grandeur of the Rockies, the Grand Canyon, the big, wide-open spaces of the Southwest, Monument Valley, the Mississippi, the, the Missouri River. Um, I I think it's I. You know what I'd say? I always come back to I always come back to Kansas flat kansas and people think about kansas oh driving through it's nothing but cornfields wheat fields and cows cornfields wheat fields and cows (laughs) (laughs) but when you're walking on those back roads every inch in and of itself is pretty especially the dirt roads and when you're walking along that arkansas river and realizing that that was once the border between the united states and mexico and when you are thinking about the settlers that were coming through, I think that Kansas, even though the other stuff is wonderful, because I always come back to the big wide open West as well, Kansas has some sort of a special pole for some reason. Um, yeah, Kansas. If you want to explore Kansas, and you only have a little time, I would say go from just east of Dodge City, go from Ford up to Kinsley and then a little bit east. And I'll tell you why that's interesting, because when you go north of Ford, you can, if you get permission from the landowner, you can cross over the Arkansas River, which is usually dry, and you go to this vast grassland, and there's nothing there. There used to be something there, but there's nothing there now. And that's where you'll get a sense of what these settlers – saw oh. experienced and came through there's nothing but grassland and sand grassland and sand but it's so pretty so pretty
1: wow and you went there during the summertime obviously or that
0: was in the summer yeah, yeah. summer yeah. do
1: you have any other tips and tricks for traveling through that area any like places to stay or places to eat or any any advice um,
0: When you're going through the big, wide open West, yeah, it's just a little town you come across. Don't be afraid of going to the little, what you might think is a greasy diner or the local joint. You know, don't just go to the chain restaurant, you know, Denny's or whatever. Go to these little mom and pop places. Those are the best. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, because the meals are, are good usually, and, but- On top of that, you get to experience the local people. And it's not just travelers going through anonymously and then off the go again. But you're actually, if you get to talk to the people, they'll talk to you and they'll know that you're an outsider and they'll be interested and they want to talk to you. So I'd say is go to the local, go to the local shops and, and give them your money and, and talk to them and and eat their food because uh, you'll get more than a meal. I love that. Yeah.
1: I love that. And I do. I love the, uh, if I, if I'm traveling anywhere, I usually don't go to the chains. I will definitely most likely go to the local place just because it's, you get the, not, the people. Yes. The food. Right. Yes. All of that. It's just great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now in the, in the big cities, you know, it's sometimes you do go to the chains because sometimes the the lo- the local places are kind of lost, but, um, even in the little places, you know, these days, you can go on a major road or an interstate and find chains, but you can still get go a couple miles further and you'll get the the little the mom and pop shops. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Where are you going next?
0: <laughs> What's next? Yeah, that's that's what people uh that's what people ask me. RB, if you're listening, you got me into this north-south thing. So now um <laughs> Yeah, um, I have a couple ideas. Uh, I think I'd like to roam the American Southwest. Oh, it's um, so amazing! Um, yeah, I think I'd like to get a van and just drive around and, and do that. Um, uh, I think I'd like to um, hike around the circumference of Kauai and then for that little section on the Napoli coast oh, where you can so hike. Beautiful. Do a kayak because you know that kayak trip theoretically you could do it in two in one day but uh, I think what I would do is just uh, do it in two days you know just go halfway camp along the Nepali coast and then go over towards uh, barking sands and then walk back up around into you know, Princeville maybe do it around Maui as well um, Is there another uh, cross country track I don't know <laughs> I, <laughs> No, what see? about
1: oh no i'm going to give you a suggestion but this might be <laughs> it might yeah. get in your head what about from mexico to alaska
0: yeah well <laughs> if you're uh, saying mexico alaska why not tear it fuego to alaska you know right it's true. Uh, yeah <laughs> that. Uh, i don't know i mean there's somebody contacted me yesterday and said what about the silk road oh yeah well, that's something with, that that'd be way out of my comfort factor but uh I don't know. I mean, look, I'm I'm 61. I'm not getting any old, any younger, so um, I have no idea. I I think I'll do a couple little things, and then maybe a big a big thing, you know, in a couple years. I don't I I don't know.
1: <laughs> I'm excited to see where your journey goes next, and maybe the next <laughs> place you go, maybe you'll be on the Silk Road or going on a another insane trip. I'll interview you again and see what the update is.
0: The Trans Siberian Railway, you know?
1: Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. That would be amazing. Do you have something that you take with you when you travel?
0: Before I started my trip uh last year, I got rid of all my furniture. I gave it away and gave away most of my stuff. And what little stuff I kept uh fits in in a five by five storage unit. And even that stuff is too much. So what I keep with me in my backpack, my little, I guess you call it, um, uh, Luxury item. It's just a little little pocket New Testament and Psalms. And so I'll just uh, read through that uh, usually every day and uh, it helps keep me grounded. And sometimes I'll read it in a sense of, okay, what do you you have to tell me, Lord, right now today? Oh, okay. (laughs) Or sometimes I'll just pick it up just for the uh, fact of, well, you know, I don't really know God that much, so I better read a little bit more about him. So that's, that's my, that's my item that I keep. You know,
1: I love that. I love yeah. that. What about advice? Is there a piece of life advice that you can give to a younger you?
0: Yeah. Younger me, uh, don't get caught up in life that you need to have the fancy car, the big house, all the stuff because the fancy car, the big house and all the stuff ain't going to make you happy. I would tell my younger self, Get a lot of experiences, not a lot of stuff. Because experiences are what are going to enrich you. Um, Experiences not only traveling or whatever, but experiences with people. So collect your experiences, collect your relationships. If the job keeps you from doing that stuff, get rid of the job. (laughs) and get a job that can let you do that stuff because you don't need that stuff. You know, you just don't need it. I love that. It might be good for, you know, peace of mind, but uh, you don't need it.
1: I love that. I think I need to hear that right now.
0: Well, oh. <laughs> there you go. Well, get out there, and get out there to uh death Valley. you know?
1: I know. I know. I love that so much. And uh, that's so valuable to me. of have no idea that I needed to hear, like, hey, Drea, you need to just get out there and like not do yeah, so yeah. much. So um, that's such a mm-hmm. message that I know that there's a reason why I always feel like I always interview people that I need to learn from, which is uh-huh. part of the reason why I, I started this podcast. I was like, ooh, I wanna I wanna nerd out on these people who like have done all these things and I want to live vicariously through them while we're in this pandemic and can't travel. Like, where have they gone?
0: Uh-huh. And maybe they can
1: teach me something, and I feel like you've taught me a lot.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I th- I think you've got it though, because there's there's things that you've mentioned as well. It's just being out there, and you know, you 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 get the silence thing, you get the bigness thing, you get the thing about stuff talking to you and and all that, and so um, and like you said, in, in the desert is where you get it. And, oh yeah, in, in the deserts where I get it a lot too.
1: Where can we find you? My last question.
0: Well, if you want to watch long, boring videos. <laughs> I don't have I don't have an Instagram account. So uh, you can we gotta make me you an
1: Instagram
0: in, account. Oh <laughs> uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, go to my website at ilikemike.com. I post all my videos there, and there's also a link where you can um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash I like Mike, all one word, and everything's posted there. I post uh, videos every week um, and uh, edit them on the fly. And, you know, it's a labor of love because I always, but I'm always (laughs) thinking, I'm always, no, literally, I'm always thinking about my viewers and my listeners. You know, I want them to have something special. So that's, that's why I do it.
1: I love it. Well, Mike, thank you, thank you so much for joining me on the Roaming the Earth podcast, stories and adventures of people who are jet setters, nomads, and explorers. This is Drea Castro signing off. Join us again next time, stay wild. If you're interested in hearing more stories from around the globe, don't forget to subscribe, share it to your friends, And follow me on Instagram on I'm Roaming the Earth.